Yeah, this this goes back a long way. You saw this in Divin Divin Div Evan Devenant. Okay, okay. I took French. Devin and Archer? Probably just Devin and Archer? I have no idea. Devin and Archer, yeah, I'm just saying Devin and Archer, it's legends. Welcome to the 27th episode of Let's Remember Some Cards, the magic podcast that's here to remember the cards, decks, and stories that make magic the game we love. Hello, I'm David Prestwood. I'm Christian Wright. This week, we're going to talk about flying men and flying women and flying fairies and flying siren pirate wizards and flying salamander drakes. What's up? Why are we talking about a lot of flying things? Okay, sorry, I got a little carried away. Let's try this. So in honor of recent Mythic Championship winner Autumn Burchett and their Mono Blue Tempo deck, we're going to talk about the best one mana 1-1 one, one flyers in Magic history. It sounds like we have a curious obsession about 1-1 one, one blue flyers, <laughs> but before we get into that, let's, uh, let's remember that. Okay, this week we have Harpoon Sniper. So Harpoon Sniper is an uncommon from Lorwyn. It is two and a white for a 2-2 Merfolk Archer, and it has white and tap. Harpoon Sniper deals X damage to target attacking or blocking creature, where X is the number of Merfolk you control. Excuse me? Did you just say a white Merfolk Archer? Aren't Merfolk in the water? How do they fire their bows and arrows? I have so many questions. (laughs) That's a very good question. So we're in Lorwyn, right? Where Merfolk are blue and white, a little different than we're used to. Recently in the Ixalan block, we've had blue and green. There are actually two blue and red Merfolk in Magic History. Do you know what they are? There's the one in Apocalypse that pings, Razorfin Hunter. And then the other is Whirlpool. No, I can't remember. No, it's actually a recent legendary. It's Jory N. Ruin Diver oh. from Oath of the Gatewatch uh, was a red-blue merfolk wizard for some reason. So anyway, we're in white merfolk in Lorwen. In addition to being a white merfolk, this is part of this group of what are mostly white creatures in magic history that can damage attackers or blockers. There's a lot of archers that have done this in the past. A couple of uh, manticores have done the same thing. Some dwarves, oddly have this ability but this one cares about the number of other merfolk you have in white yeah this card's really interesting so you have this ability that has been white as far back as legends with davenant archer which is a one two human soldier archer that dealt one the target attacking or blocking creature and it's continued on throughout the sets there's been different hooks and themes to it and lorwyn they thought why not let's put it on merfolk and make it care about how much merfolk you have in play So this card is kind of interesting because it combines that archer ability and the white ability that cares about attacking or blocking creatures with the tribal ability. And of course it's Lorwyn, so that's where you're at. But it reminds me a lot of Sparksmith, which was a one and a red 1-1 goblin from Onslaught that you could tap to deal X damage to target creature and X damage to you, where X is the number of goblins in play. Fits in a particular deck. I, I don't know, was this card any good? I played a bit of Lorwyn Limited online. I have a lot of copies of certain Lorwyn cards <laughs> on Magic Online. I honestly don't remember playing this at all. I played, there's a blue common in Lorwyn called Silvergill Dowser. So if we ever get to a Merfolk episode or we get to a tribal episode, uh, that's going to be up there along with Sparksmith and uh, Timberwatch Elf. 
Yeah, Silvergill Douster was a 1 and a blue for a Merfolk Wizard that's a 1-1. One, one. And the ability that tap target creature gets minus X minus O until end of turn works as a number of Merfolk and or fairies you control. And it turns out that card is absolutely fantastic. It was an absolute bomb in Lorwyn Limited. And you were using that a lot more because just with how everything turned out, there was good blue shapeshifters. With the, the changelings, there was good fairies. And you were more often not, if I remember correctly, drafting blue-black than necessarily blue-white. Yeah, both of those cards seem like they would be pretty annoying to play against, really kind of messing up combat math. White Merfolk just still read wrong to me. I'm glad I wasn't playing during Shadowmoor when then you had blue and black Merfolk, because that's it's just even weirder. Someday maybe we'll go back and they'll screw up all the creature types and the color pie for me again. Okay, now that we've remembered a white Merfolk Archer, let's get into the main topic for today. It's the top eight flying men. And we want to say... The reason we're calling them Flying Men is it's a 1-1 flyer for one, for one blue, and it was printed in Arabian Nights, and it was the first of this type of blue 1-1 flyer. Yeah, that hasn't aged particularly well. First of all, magic tends to be a little more gender neutral in its naming conventions these days, unless you're talking about a particular character, which Flying Men is not. Second, the card has a plural name, but it only shows one Flying Man, and so I feel a little misled. You know, the unnecessary plural is happening. Right, come on. Here's one more thing. Flying Men was the first color-shifted card, because there already was a 1-1 flyer for one mana, but it was in green, and it was in alpha. Scrib Sprites. How can you forget about Scrib Sprites? Well, I I certainly wouldn't. I own many Scrib Sprites. How many Uh, do you own? uh, We're north of 400 Scrib Sprites. Wait, wait, wait. So is that 4-0 or 4-0-0? Four zero zero. I own more than 400 copies of Scrib Sprites. When I was playing back in the 90s, I decided that was the card I was just going to have a lot of, and everybody gave me their Scrib Sprites. I used to play with this guy, Connor, who Herloon Minotaur was his, so everybody gave him a bunch of Herloon Minotaurs. So I have Scrib Sprites uh, from Alpha on down, every foreign language, Black Border. I just have all these Scrib Sprites. They're, they're, they're a one one flyer in green for single green mana. They're not any good, but there they are. All that aside, a 1-1 flyer for one mana doesn't really get us anywhere these days. Even in the most recent set, Ravnica Allegiance, there are creatures at common that they just give you a 1-1 flyer when you die. Magic yeah, for is, free. We've evolved to this point where that they just hand this out like candy. That's just a mechanic. Yep. A 1-1 flyer is generally not worth a card. It's not a whole card. Maybe it's half a card or, or three quarters of a card or something like that. We know that magic can do better than that. And so we're going to go over the top eight flying men today, none of which are actually flying men. It's just not good enough. There are plenty of one ones for one that are worth talking about. And let me tell you, they're going to maybe start off as one one for ones, but they get better. <laughs> That's right. So first, I'll just note that there are a number of these one mana, one one flyers that are just vanilla. Flying Man is an example. Zephyr Sprite is another one that's the same card. And do you know Zephyr Gull? I do not. It's because it's only in the arena new player experience, but it is a single blue for a one one flyer. As we mentioned, green has Scrib Sprites, but we usually see these in white. Avon Skirmisher, Kite Sail Scout, Lantern Kami, and Suntail Hawk are all single white mana for a 1-1 flyer. And they have just been outclassed. Literally, there is now a single mana, one white mana flyer that's a 1-2. Thanks, Rustwing Falcon. You ruined it. 
No more Suntail Hawks. In addition, throughout Magic's history, there have been a lot of 1-1 flyers with drawbacks. So Cloud Pirates and Cloud Sprite are cards that can only block flyers. Spire Tracer is a really interesting Magic card. So this is not really a flying man. It's a single green for a 1-1 Elf Scout from Gatecrash, and it says it can't be blocked except by creatures with flying or reach. So basically it has flying on offense, but not on defense. I don't know why they didn't just make this a flyer and say it can't block flyers. You know what? It had to live up to scrib sprites, and they couldn't find a copy because you own them all. So uh-huh. That's fair. Yeah, totally weird. Nightshade Stinger is another one in black that can't block at all. Brass Gnat is an interesting card. I didn't know this card existed. That's from Time Spiral. It's a generic mana for a 1-1 flyer that doesn't untap during your untap step. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can pay one, and if you do, you untap it. I annoyingly own 11 of these, and much like Nats, I cannot get rid of them, but it is a callback to to Brassman from Antiquities. That's right. (laughs) 11. 11 of them. 11 of them. And then there are a couple more in blue. Shrieking Drake has always been an interesting one to me. This is from Visions, and it's a single blue for a 1-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you return a creature you control to its owner's hand. So a drawback, but you can use it to re-trigger things, I guess, if that's what you really want to do. And then Thought Nibbler from Odyssey uh, has the additional downside, your maximum hand size is reduced by two. Now, to be fair, this is Odyssey, so that's not so much of a drawback because that was a threshold enabler that's true i mean you're on the draw you play this on turn one after you play an island and then you get to discard yay we discarded so if those are the bad versions the probably worse than flying man versions let's talk about some of the better ones so as we get into this as a reminder, each one of the cards we're talking about is a 1-1 flyer for a single mana. We'll still remind you what color the mana is, what color the card is, but just so you know, that is the baseline for all of these cards. We have a few contenders that didn't make the top eight. Feel free to tweet at us at RememberMTG if you think any of these should have made the top eight. I'm willing to die on any hill, and this one could be one of them. Our first one is Jace's Phantasm. <laughs> yeah. It's blue for a 1-1 flyer, and Jace's Phantasm gets plus 4, plus 4, as long as an opponent has 10 or more cards in his or her graveyard. Look, the only reason this is not in the top 8 is because, I can't speak for David, I'll speak for myself, I don't think very highly of Mildex. I think they're big do-nothing, This it looks like you're doing things decks, but they really, they're very rarely successful. And if you're running a 1-mana 5-5 flyer, where your whole purpose is to put the player's cards in the graveyard as your main win condition, why do you need a 5-5 flyer? Just put in cards that further that win condition. Like, I just... (laughs) Yeah, if you're doing a constructed mill deck, this probably isn't where you want to be. I will say this card was pretty great when it was reprinted at Common in Iconic Masters because there was a lot of incidental mill with cards like Grizzly Spectacle that destroyed a creature and then put cards into your opponent's graveyard equal to that creature's power, a number of other options. So this could be a legitimate win condition, especially because it was common and you could get multiples. So our next one is Pilfering Imp. It's black, flying 1-1. One, one. It's an imp. It's, it has an additional ability, though. It's one to black tap, sacrifice Pilfering Imp. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card, and you can only activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. Yeah, this is an uncommon from Guilds of Ravnica, very recent card, 
fairly reasonable. I played it on turn one, fired it off on turn two a lot. Sometimes it just gets in for one. Sometimes you just want a flyer. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's part of those creatures that it starts off, it does a base thing, but when it gets outclassed, at least it does something. You know, it's kind of like Death Touchers. They start off as one ones, <laughs> and then they eventually kill a dude. So you know. You know, it was pretty good in that Golgari deck that where you wanted creatures in your graveyard. You'd rather have this in a three mana sorcery that does the same thing. All right, our next one is Toppelgeist, aka Boop Ghost. It's a single white for a one one spirit. It was an uncommon from Shadows over Innistrad. And it has when Toppelgeist enters the battlefield, tar- tap target creature and opponent controls, but it also has Delirium at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep. If there are four more card types among cards in your graveyard, then you tap target creature that player controls. This is another good, limited, uncommon. You know, the 1-1 one, one flyer wasn't particularly relevant all the time, but just getting to tap down one of their creatures for free at the beginning of each one of their turns was excellent. And it has fantastic Seb McKinnon art. It does. We do love our Seb McKinnon. I call this Boop Ghost because it's a ghost who literally is just booping a candle and knocking it over. <laughs> I guess that's tapping a creature. Yeah, perfectly fine. So our last card, which also has Seb McKinnon art, Seb McKinnon, drawn 1-1 one, one flyers for days. Uh, <laughs> it is Dustborn Skymarcher. It is from Ixalan. It is a vampire cleric, and it's white. And its notable ability, besides the fact that it's flying, is its white tap target attacking vampire gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Yeah, Ixalan was a tribal set. There were a lot of vampires in Ixalan. This was perfectly reasonable at various times. Nothing to write home about, but certainly better than your base level flying man. Exactly. And this ability was really relevant because it got outclassed, even though it was a very aggressive format, it got outclassed really quickly and it turned one of your other vampires into actually something that could, you know, usually your bishop soldier became a 3-3 and you're like, Mwah, I will gain three life. Mwah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. One thing you'll notice about each of these cards is that Jace's Phantasm was originally in Magic 2013. The other three have all been printed since 2016. So this is a recent phenomenon that we're getting the one mana 1-1 one, one flyer with some additional reasonable ability. And besides Jace's Phantasm, none of these are in blue. They're definitely That's right. expanding the color pie a bit to have these reasonable one-drop flyers that with some upside, but they're not going to like break the game, but they give more options, more reach to other colors. Well, we'll see how that holds through our top eight. At number eight, we have Gale Rider Sliver. Gale Rider Sliver was a rare from Magic 2014, single blue for a 1-1, and it says Sliver creatures you control have flying, which includes itself. Yeah, so it's stealthy. You think, wait, I'm going to register. Okay, first, let's talk Let's talk into the negatives first, because I, I got some beef, but it's not with this card. There's nothing. This card did nothing wrong. It's more about what Wizards did with Slivers in M14. But this this is a pretty great card. This is, makes all, all your Slivers have flying. What's not to love? I love almost everything about it. I like the whole Sliver mechanic. Having this effect on a Sliver for a single blue is great. Your previous option for this effect was either Winged Sliver, which was one in a blue for a 1-1 that gives all slivers flying, or Pulmonic Sliver, which was three white-white for a super weird one. It's a 3-3 that gives all slivers flying, but also they all have, if this creature would be put into a graveyard, you may put it on top of its owner's library instead. And that's like, there's too much going on there. So I like that it's simple and clean and gives your slivers flying. Listeners, if you were unfamiliar with slivers, you get a little ahead of ourselves. So slivers are a... Type of creature. Um, they started in Tempest. 
and they've been reprinted a handful of times. They've been printed in Onslaught block, and they've also been reprinted in Time Spiral block as well. Fan favorites. Uh, the basic thing with Slivers, though, is that they all have different abilities, and the catch is they give all Slivers a copy of that ability. Wing Sliver, for example, was printed in Tempest. It gave all your Slivers flying, so it gave itself flying, but it also gave your Slivers and your opponent's Slivers flying. It's this idea, it's like a hive mind mentality. They're kind of like ants. If one ant gets a mutation that's good, it'll spread. And it's sort of Borg-like, too, from Star Trek. Slivers came back in Magic 2014 at Common and Uncommon and Rare, and they had two big changes. One was a stylistic change. They were more humanoid-looking than they had been before, which was not very popular with the player base. But two, and most critically, instead of Sliver creatures getting the ability, it's Sliver creatures you control is the new template. Christian, I know you have some thoughts on this. Don't hold me back. Look, they had a very iconic design. You go back. I'm going to just rant on this for about five minutes, listeners. I really apologize. We'll edit it down to a manageable length. But there's a classic sliver look. It persisted from Tempest all the way to Time Spiral. And then Wizards just had this grand idea at M14 to make them look like humanoids. They look like crap. That's the only thing I'll die on that hill about that Wizards killed my childhood about. And the other thing, slivery creatures you control... Come on, that's a whole risk-reward with slivers. Like, it, it's a hive mind. Your hive should work with the other hive. That they decided to be like, oh, let's make it easier on the players. Let's not, like, have any field bads. No. It's always been a field bad. Just deal with it. If you're going to draft the sliver deck, you go hard, and sometimes it, it helps your opponent. It's a, it's a lesson. They're also good. Just play them. It's fine. I'm sure the change was made for some gameplay confusion issues. Hard to keep track of the board state and everything. We did also get some slivers after that in Magic 2015. There was a cycle in Uncommon in all five colors and then a five-color Mythic Sliver Hive Lord. So we haven't seen slivers in a while. I know we'll see him again someday. But Gale Rider Sliver, a worthy addition to this list. And here's the other thing with slivers. I bet they thought about bringing them back for Dominaria. They definitely require a significant chunk of the set to be designed around them. So if you see one sliver, it's a hint that we're probably going to see a lot more, and that is super, super fun. So our next one on the top eight flying men list is not a man. It's a siren. It's Hypnotic Siren from Journey into Nyx. Hypnotic Siren was an enchantment creature, siren, and besides the usual one blue mana for a 1-1 flyer, it had bestow five blue blue. So we've talked about Yeesh. the show. Yeah, I know it's a lot. As a quick reminder, it basically allows the creature to become an aura, and it has different effects depending on if it's an aura or not. This special ability is you control enchanted creature it bestows, and the enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has to fly. So yeah, this is a bestow creature version of Spirit Away, which was a rare from Avacyn Restored. That was five blue, blue creature aura. You control enchanted creature, and it gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. But that was not very versatile, whereas technically Hypnotic Siren is. You could just play it as a 1-1 creature for one, although you really didn't want to do that. You wanted to spend seven mana, steal their creature, give it plus one, plus one in flying, and then if they bounce their creature or somehow kill it, this falls off, and at least you end up with a 1-1 flyer. Yeah, it, this was a limited bomb. I think it was played in sideboards for Mono Blue Devotion a few <laughs> times. Like all bestow cards, great. The art is beautiful. It's based on a Greek mythology trope about the sirens. You might have read them in uh, the Odyssey, where they tempted Odysseus while they were sailing by, and he had his sailors stuff uh, their ears with cotton. 
and it plays right into that effect. The styron's going to steal your creatures, and you better like it. Yeah, it looks like in the art that she's attracting a giant cyclops who is longingly reaching for her and maybe is about to step off that cliff. Yeah, but let's talk about something a little more distressing. She's attracting sheep. They're limiting the sheep over the cliff. Oh, no. Oh, no. The sheep in the background. There's one that's like in the air that lemminged off a cliff. What What the hell? <laughs> that's not cool, wizards. Let's be real, though. Did the sheep really think that it had a chance with her? It's Greek mythology. It could have been, you know, could have been Hera. You never know. I'm just saying, poor she- rest in peace, sheep. Re- rest in peace. Avamanter is very offended. There'll be words. Rest in sheep. All right. What's our next card? All right. The number six card on our list is Fairy Miscreant. Fairy Miscreant is blue for a 1-1 flying fairy rogue. This was a common from Magic Origins. And it says, when Fairy Miscreant enters the battlefield, if you control another creature named Fairy Miscreant, draw a card. So people tried to make this work in limited and it wasn't really a thing. But the reason this makes the list is because this is a four of in blue popper decks that are full of other fairies, specifically cloud of fairies and spell stutter sprite. So spell stutter sprite is a one in a blue one, one flash flying fairy wizard from Lorwyn, just a little bit more expensive than uh, flying man. And it says when it enters the battlefield, you can counter target spell with converted mana cost X or less, where X is the number of fairies you control. And so this is a way to both get fairies in play for spell starter sprite, as well as if you have another one in play, maybe draw a card. These decks play Ninja of the Deep Hours, which if this is unblocked, you could play Ninja, then you get to draw a card, then maybe you get to replay the Fairy Miscreant and draw another card. So it's just an engine card in a popper deck. Oh yeah, I did not play a lot of Magic Origins Limited, um, but the few times I did try it, I always looked at this card and I didn't know how many Fairy Miscreants I could possibly get. So I never actually got to see this happen. You wouldn't have wanted to play this card in Origins Limited. A 1-1 flyer was really not where you wanted to be at. In addition to needing a critical mass of them to really draw cards, I guess if you could get six of them, although I don't know how you start taking them where in a way that you get six. There were a lot of Thopters flying around in Magic Origins, as well as Green had Hitchclaw Recluse at common, which is two and a green for a 1-4 spider with a reach. We just saw again in Guilds of Ravnica pretty much shut down any of the 1-1 flyers, and green decks liked to play that to slow down some of the aggressive starts from other decks. Oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right, what's next? Yeah, so it's Healer's Hawk, card near and dear to our hearts. It is a one white flying lifelink bird for, that's a 1-1. Pretty simple. I could never get enough of these in the Guilds of Ravnica format. I once had a deck with six of them. I would have taken a couple more. It turns out adding lifelink to your 1-1 flyer, especially when you play it on turn one. And Mentor was in this set, so you were making your 1-1s bigger very quickly with your 2-mana two 2-2s two that had Mentor. This card was great and limited. Didn't oh. make a cut and constructed, but great and limited. Yeah, you'll see it on the best-of-one ladder in Arena because it does go well with a Johnny's Pride Mate. Mm-hmm. So that there's a quote-unquote budget white Arena deck that can be successful because guess what? Gaining life also stops the mono red deck. Who knew? Who knew gaining life you lost stops the deck where their whole purpose is for you to lose life real quickly. Speaking of limited, this was definitely my signpost in real life. If someone, if mm-hmm. I saw more than one healer's hawk go by, I immediately went into Boros every single time and it worked every single time. Yeah, this may have by the end of that format ended up being a little overrated, but you know what? Don't care. Still taking it. Card Still was great. It. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did you? What was your biggest healer's hawk? I think I got mine to a 3-3 three, three once, and I was really happy. 
I had a really bad Boros draft deck where I just put Candlelight Vigil on it, which is a four mana, it's three and a white for an R that gives your creature plus three, plus two in Vigilance. And four, three flying Vigilance lifelink creatures just win games. All right, so what is our next flying person? (laughs) Our next one is Judge's Familiar. Judge's Familiar was an uncommon from Return to Ravnica. It's a hybrid Azorius menace. You can pay a blue or a white for the 1-1 flyer. It is also a bird, and it says, Sacrifice Judge's Familiar, counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays one. So modern aficionados will know this as a flying version of Curse Catcher, which is like this, except, as I said, not flying, and is a merfolk. And Judge Familiar was great and limited. It was played in the Blue Devotion decks at the time in Standard. You know, you're never actually going to counter something with this, most likely, unless your opponent has to desperately play into it and hope that you forget you can sacrifice it. So there are decks that it's pretty good against, but it's for Spike. I mean, it's an effect we've seen a bunch of different times. It's on the tables. Your opponent sees it. It's uh, not great, but you know what? It did its work. It is definitely an upgrade because not only does that flying, so it, it's technically better than Curse Catcher, even though it doesn't have the appropriate tribal signifier on it. It also is better than one of the original versions. This is which is Spike Tail Drake, which is from Prophecy. And Spike Tail Drake was basically the same thing, except it was one in a blue instead of a hybrid Azorius. We've probably reached the peak version of this card, which was released in. 2012 and just shows how magic has evolved as far as its creatures are concerned one person's evolution is another person's power creep but i think in the case of judges familiar we are probably okay with it yeah and you never know bird tribal could be on the way all right what is our number three our number three and we're starting to get into the cards where people be like oh these are fantastic flying men it is siren storm tamer this was printed in ixalan Uh, it is a siren pirate wizard Siren, Pirate Wizard. Not Simic, but Not it Simic. sure sounds like it. Right? You know, this, it's, it's an honorary Simic creature. It one, It's one in the blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer, and its ability is Blue Sacrifice Siren Storm Tamer, counter-target spell or ability that targets you or a creature you control. Yeah, so this just won the Mythic Championship that we talked about earlier. Autumn Burchett played Siren Storm Tamer in their mono-blue aggro-slash-tempo deck. Very, very good card in standard. I found that being a pirate in limited was often relevant. And then being a wizard in constructed is relevant for cards like Wizard's Retort, which is one blue blue for counter target spell. But if you control a wizard, it's just blue blue. Yeah, and it definitely was seeded, right? They definitely foresaw what was coming down the pike, priced it and put the right creature types on it accordingly. It was a but it was really a powerhouse. Like I've been blown out and frustrated by this card since it was printed. I definitely played it in Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan Limited. Um, I have a lot of stamped copies, so if you ever want a stamped Grand Prix copy of a non-winning Siren Storm Tamer, <laughs> please tweet at me, and I will gladly send you one. <laughs> but it, it, it is... We just talked about Judge's Familiar, how it's the, it the kind of the epitome of the free force spike. I honestly think this is probably one of the better blue creatures they've printed in the last uh, few years. Like I don't think... You're going to find anything as premier as this ever printed. It's it's very frustrating because unlike a four spike sitting in play that may make you play off curve, this means you have to have two removal spells to kill a creature. And in a deck where they're also playing spell pierce and wizard's retort and dive down to give a creature hexproof, it's just one more way to protect your other creatures. 
and it it also rewards very skillful play. My opponent played turn one Siren Storm Tamer, and then turn two tried to put a Curious Obsession on it, and I went, guess what? That's getting shocked. <laughs> what do you do? The good players don't do that. Good players make sure this is protecting something, or it's going to be protected by whatever you're trying to do. You know, we're not a standard podcast by any stretch. If you want to know more about this deck and about this card and how it functions, go check out the game podcast released an episode on February 7th called everything you need to know about mono blue aggro, where they talk about this deck for literally like two hours. That will give you the full breakdown on the different skill testing parts of the deck. So Siren store tamer, honorary simic creature, wink, What's the next card on our uh, top eight list? So our number two is Mausoleum Wanderer. Mausoleum Wanderer is a rare from Eldritch Moon. Single blue for a 1-1 flyer. It says whenever another spirit enters the battlefield under your control, Mausoleum Wanderer gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And you can sacrifice Mausoleum Wanderer to counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays X, where X is Mausoleum Wanderer's power. So this is a four of in Bant Spirits decks. In modern, it is a spirit. It cares about spirits. That makes a lot of sense. This was also played in the very briefly popular Blue-Red God Pharaoh's Gift deck because it was very easy to stop your opponent from casting an instant or sorcery when this had four power when it was brought back with God Pharaoh's Gift. This is a really interesting card, and I'm not surprised that it has seen as much success as it has. Yeah, you're right about this in the God Pharaoh's Gift deck. I played this. I made day two of a local Grand Prix a few years ago with this uh, card in my main main deck. It did everything as you said it did. It also was really good because it countered uh, Fumigates, which I hate that card. Fumigates the worst, and (laughs) I countered that every single time I saw it. I didn't even matter if they could pay for it. I'm like, I'm countering this. You're done. Don't gain a life. Get out of here. I think one of the things we can learn from this list is if you see a one mana, one, one flyer at rare, chances are it's pretty good. And real quickly too, with Bant Spirits, which is a modern deck that's waxed and waned in popularity, uh, a lot of times it attacked for at least three or four in that deck because they would flash in a spirit or they would put Aether, put a spirit in with Aether Vile that's really threatening to have a one mana three three they've banned one mana three threes in modern and you know this one flies and it also can counter spells hard eyes emoji for mausoleum wanderer all right what is our number one flying man oh we've gotten this far people are trying to think wreck their brains are wondering what do we miss like what other flying what what can be better than mausoleum wanderer well we're going to talk about terramander terramander's a salamander drake it's a one blue to cast, and it's a one one. It has seven blue adapt four. That's a lot. Why would you play this? <laughs> There's an extra line. This ability costs one less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Yeah, so this is a five five flyer. Sometimes for blue blue, if you have a bunch of things in your graveyard. It not only was in Autumn's Mythic Championship winning deck, but it was all over the Mythic Championship. It's also a multi-format all-star. Modern Phoenix has become a very powerful deck, and it's playing four of these. Legacy Delver now just plays four of these. This may just be a better Delver in decks where you're casting all, you know, ponders and preordains and, you know, if you're brainstorming and whatever else. This card is spectacular. We've ta- we've talked about this a little bit, but this is a archetypal magic card where it gets better for just you playing the game of magic 
And mm-hmm. it really isn't that hard to build a deck that wants to cast lots of hints in the sorceries. As of this recording, GP, or sorry, Magic Fest Los Angeles hasn't happened, but I will be there. I'm going to be playing Terramanders in my main deck. And it's the deck I'm playing, it's, which is called Is It Phoenix, is basically a deck that has a ton of instant sorceries and then cards that work well with other instants and sorceries. And it's just a no-brainer. Like, I'll play a two-mana 5-5 five, five creature any day of the week. You know, like, my god. What do the hoops have to jump for? I have to cast these really cheap instant sorcery spells? Sign me up. Just absolutely sign me up. Yeah, I found this card to be good and limited, especially in Azorius decks in Ravnica Allegiance, where you're casting instants and sorceries to draw cards and bounce creatures, and sometimes you just play it, and you know you pay a blue, and then you pay two and a blue more, and you've got yourself five five. Build your own dragon. But exactly. People are going to come look back, and they're going to say, "Wow, we topped out a Terramander." We have this one mana blue 2-2, and that's what Wizards is trying to push, and like return to return to return to Ravnica. You're going to be like, well, yeah, they decided to go all in on Terramander. It's hard for me to imagine them printing a better 1-1 flyer for a single mana than Terramander. No, maybe I just lack imagination, but the fact that this has hit the scene, taken magic by storm, is uh, as an uncommon it's really stunning. It's a great card to play. It's fun. You should all try it. So that's our list. Those are the top eight flying men, none of which are actually flying men. Number eight was Gale Rider Sliver. Number seven, Hypnotic Siren. Number six, Fairy Miscreant. Number five, Healer's Hawk. Number four, Judge's Familiar. Number three, Siren Storm Tamer. Number two, Mausoleum Wanderer. And number one, Terramander. I'll note that all of these cards, except for Healer's Hawk, are blue. Before we go, I just want to note that the inspiration for this episode, as we mentioned, was Autumn Burchett's mono blue aggro victory at the Mythic Championship. We have said on this podcast many times that magic is a game for everyone. I think Autumn is somebody like our guest Emma Handy recently who has really advocated for that view. It's great to see Autumn's success, to see the outpouring of support from people all over the magic community for the idea that magic is for everyone is really heartening. It's a community that can sometimes be toxic and to see nothing but love for Autumn and for both their play skill and what they stand for publicly is hopefully a sign of where we're going. And uh, that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. We've only had one Mythic Championship, technically. I would hope we keep this track record going of a non-male person winning Mythic Championships the fact that our only Mythic Championship winner is non-binary. They do not look anything at all like the previous Pro Tour winners. It's amazing. It's something I never thought Magic would actually achieve. I thought we'd be stuck in this terrible glass ceiling. And it's very, very heartening. Also, just to end it on a light note, I'm glad that England has finally produced a solid Magic player. So congratulations, England. You got there and keep it up but please seriously england what the hell you need more good magic players <laughs> our, our good friend david lyford smith was very excited to see autumn's victory and tweeted multiple times about how hard autumn has worked to get to this point you know and he and he's very proud of their success so it's great to see all of our friends happy left and right 
All right. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at RememberMTG or send us an email at RememberSomeCards at gmail.com. We would love your feedback. And please tell us what cards you want to remember. We didn't do an interview this week, but we'll be back to it soon. Exactly. And until next time, don't forget to remember some cards. <laughs>